All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast on Wednesday, December 11th on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is. James Davis. Huge NBA slate here, buddy. Um, Not every team playing, but a lot of the teams are playing. We had a weird four-game slate last night on Tuesday that had a bunch of mid-tier plays and sort of weird positions, and our boy Duncan Robinson went completely off for DraftKings. He was like... Rob Booyah. Well, I did say in our chat a little bit leading in, I I, I didn't call like the, you know, record-breaking Clay Thompson-like heat check performance that he had, Um, but I did say, (laughs) I did say there's a world with the heat, you know, understanding... That's why it pays to follow this stuff, you know, like you and I do every single night, is there are worlds where Duncan Robinson plays like 40 minutes and Tyler Hero just doesn't get the run. Like, we talked about this in chat. Like these are kind of discussions that are happening in our members-only chat ahead of games because we had Duncan Robinson in cash at 4,500 on DraftKings. And I just didn't hate it because I just think I do, you know, I'm only giving this example. I'm doing a victory lap in the example, but it won't, more because the process, I think, was correct. And that's to say... Look, if you understand what these teams do, you understand that there's worlds where this kind of thing happens, right? It's not like it, it, there's just different teams are built different ways. Does that makes sense. We're gonna get into the games here real quick, but like, do you feel like that? Do you feel like that sort of understanding around some teams to say, look, I know that this team sometimes this kind of thing will happen, and there's a lot of upside to that sort of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, certainly taking a look at these teams. And their sort of culture around minutes, like the Wizards are another team this way. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of something like you're saying, where uh, if you know, and this actually, you know, if I refer back to our ebook, which you can get at dfsr.com/ebook, uh, we talk about the best sort of punt plays being the ones that are serviceable on their current opportunity. Yeah. But if they wind up, if there, you know that there is upside for more, and very likely to be no downside for less, then those wind up being the best plays. So yeah, it seems, sounds like you captured that perfectly last night, and it paid off for us. And sometimes the Knicks guys, I didn't, you know, I didn't mention the Knicks guys to start the podcast because those guys stunk. So whatever. Sometimes you pick and choose. Sometimes you pick, you pick and choose your spots around where to uh, sort of brag. Okay, let's get into the. We're gonna go game by game through this slate. It's an interesting one now. There's not actually t- on a big, you know, huge slate like this. You sometimes are just kind of waiting. I hate to say it this way, but you're sometimes just waiting for some injury news to open things up and. Because so many guys in the slate that we're going to talk about today, I think, are just efficiently priced for their opportunity and for their matchup. And that's not a great thing from a DFS perspective because it makes, starts having you ask real questions about sort of where you're going to land. But I also know that on a huge slate like this, you know, there's just more chance than not that we just have something sort of open up along the way. But let's go through and we'll kind of look at what some of those situations are. L.A. goes in and plays Orlando. LA has just been awesome. I anyone that was worried, I get like they had an easy schedule, and I get that all this stuff. They've also had some real nice wins on this. They are the fourth best defensive team in basketball right now. Seven point favorites against Orlando, which feels a little low, but it could be a home road thing. Uh, give me your thoughts on this game going in. Yeah, so I think for starters, um, you know we've actually been pretty high on these Lakers big two, uh, where a lot of people haven't. Like, is it, has that been strange to you that? A lot of the nights these guys have been going, yes. that we've been the only big major outfit on them. Like it just seems like when LeBron plays his minutes, he gets these prices with his eyes closed. So, yeah, it was like there was like this. It was like this against Portland the other night. Uh, they were very low owned. That Portland one was the one that came to mind for me. Yeah, yeah they were very um, low owned, and I just and I get the risk around AD, but um, like his DraftKings yeah. price. Well, Davis, I understand because oftentimes it's like you're still waiting for that news, you know, 20 minutes leading up to lock. But when the guy gets his minutes, my dude, he just put up 81 fantasy points against Minnesota. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, both of those guys are certainly in play for me. I'm not really, as far as the rest of the Lakers are concerned, 
you know, everyone else is sort of a, a bit player compared to the big two, both in terms of minutes and usage. And I think for that reason, they wind up being fairly unexciting. But in terms of payoffs, even on big slates, like those two guys are two always going to be two of the top five guys that I'm looking at. Yeah, and just a couple injury news here. Rajon Rondo is still questionable. Alex Caruso did get a lot of minutes to close the game, actually, for them the other night. Uh, people really want to dream, especially NBA Twitter, wants to dream on the Alex Caruso upside. This guy's get like, there's no other guy that plays as few minutes and does sort of as little as he does, and it just gets more buzz on Twitter than Alex Caruso. It's probably, just, it's got to be the hairline. It's like it's the way he looks. It looks, he looks so different than every guy. Anyway, he, um, I guess it's sort of interesting, though. They are getting Avery Bradley back. He's going to play some minutes here, so that kind of throws yeah. some question marks around the wings and so I think I'm with you really it's AD or LeBron or Boston I'm actually just not sure with this matchup against Orlando who doesn't really play at all that fast of a pace um, I just don't know if you're getting I don't know if you're getting the volume at the price that you want to get here and then you really at this point it's very difficult and especially on a big slate to run anybody into the Lakers um, and I get that Mark Fultz has played some more minutes and he's kind of he's been that trade's gonna end up looking really bad that Sixers trade um, what they gave they gave him away for nothing and uh, and Eric Gordon played a lot of minutes here night, but I don't know. On a big slate, it's running guys into the, one of the best defensive teams in basketball, short of a major injury in Orlando, and I don't think that's going to be the case, uh, is not going to be really where we want to land. Uh, Houston goes in and plays Cleveland. Houston 11.5-point favorites here, uh, as they should be. They are going to be without Austin Rivers, which really shouldn't matter, except that I think you can now project Daniel House and Ben McLemore for at least a few more minutes, and that becomes sort of important at their price, but... Let's talk about Harden real quick here. Where do we land on guys like Harden and Westbrook with possible blowout risk against a Cleveland team who's terrible? But Harden's just like 39 minutes, 39 minutes, 40 minutes, 48. That was an overtime game um, against uh, the Spurs. 30 minutes of blowout against Orlando. Like, Where do we want to land on his minutes here? Because if we're peak minutes, then he's about as good a play in the slate as you can get. Uh, yeah, and we've we've been in that peak minute range. In the one game where he didn't play enough against Atlanta, he was the one that single-handedly eviscerated Atlanta playing 30 minutes but scoring 60 points from the field in that time. One basket for every minute for Harden that he was on the court. That's that's pretty insane. So, yeah, uh, just what can you say about these expensive guys? There are many. We're in a good era for expensive plays, I'll put it that way, where the expensive guys are bringing a nice high floor, an absurd ceiling, the prices haven't gotten out of control just yet, and you can play as many of them as you want, uh, and that's led to this season as much as any other season. I can remember being a pretty big Stars and Scrubs season. Really, it all comes down to picking between them, and that can be challenging on a night-to-night basis. Right now, our system is siding with Harden, assuming that he's going to play his minutes. Yeah, well, it's already defaulting to like a Harden-Giannis stack on FanDuel. I'm not sure right. that's going to end up be where it lands. I don't mind Westbrook here either. Westbrook has still kind of just had some triple-double in his blood, even when, um, even with like how, as much as Harden just produces on a night-to-night yep. basis. Uh, Westbrook can still kind of get there. On the Cleveland side, Kevin Love's in the trade block. I don't think you're going to see peak minutes out of him going forward. I think that they're just going to be they're going to show they're going to play him enough to showcase that they want to you know see other teams can see what they are possibly getting with him. But I don't know. I hate to use this that single narrative. The minutes haven't really been there either. But I, he's kind of when he plays, I can't really play anybody else on Cleveland, and you can't play him because I just don't think he's going to play. He's a candidate to play thirty minutes, thirty plus minutes going forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. We're just going to get the uh-huh, and then I guess I guess I didn't ask a question, but uh, anything else that you like about Cleveland? <laughs> nah, not really. I mean, I'm I'm agreeing with your your takes here. Uh, I don't know that you're, you're gonna, not going to run Cleveland against 
a Rockets team when there no one is hurt and they're all appropriately priced and they're 11 and a half point dogs on a 10 game slate. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think you could probably move I will on. say there's the one thing going back to the wings. Macklemore does, has played a lot of minutes off the bench and has been really good. So I know he's not playing starting for house. Um, he's like close for me as a cash game play just because he has been getting a lot of usage and a lot of run as they've really, they've really just kind of shaved down what their, uh, what their rotations are in Houston and just kind of have landed on a group and mix. I think that they like, and then losing rivers too only helps him there. Boston goes in and plays the Pacers. This game is a two ten and a half spread, uh, two ten and a half over under with a very thin spread. Uh, Indy by one and a half. The news uh, and notes here on the injuries is Marcus Smart sat out last game with an eye infection um, and then is questionable for tonight. But they got Gordon Hayward back, so they kind of swapped one to one. They just they just brought in and started Hayward for Marcus Smart. If mm-hmm. Smart played, and even if not, where do you land on the Celtics now that they have Hayward back in the mix? Guys like Jalen Brown and guys like uh, Kemba are, are, are definitely dudes we've wanted to play. I don't know if you're with me, though. I get a little bit worried when teams get fully healthy like it looks like Boston's getting now. Yeah, I don't think you want to go there if this team's fully healthy. I will say, you know, with Jalen Brown and Kemba in particular, I don't know that they're necessarily adversely affected by Hayward and Smart just because they both bring something unique to the table to Boston and you know, Brown has been pretty steady on this rotation for a really long time. It would be surprising for me to see him go back down to like 29 minutes, especially just because he's playing really well this season too. Um, and then Kemba, obviously, you know, with Hayward back, it's a little bit different because he actually is another creator, but, you know, he's just the main distributor and it's hard to replace that with especially Smart. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's a really big slate. I don't know that you're going to need to do it on a 10-game slate here, but I, I'm not as maybe bearish on the Celtics. Like, I, I think it, it certainly muddies the waters for them a little bit. But Smart in particular, like, he's just not that high of a usage guy that I would be super concerned about. It's just mostly the minutes. I, I'm it's more, unless, unless yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, the minutes, I think, just get a little confusing. I have to go back to earlier in the season to look at what they were exactly there doing. I will say Robert Williams is out here. And on a power forward position, that's just every single night very difficult. Daniel Thies is interesting, I guess, mostly because Boston, or excuse me, Indy does run these double bigs and Sabonis and Turner. So they will need some size out there. They have Cantor as well, and Cantor's just really no defensive dude, as we all know. So Thies is interesting to me, and just the way the Celtics play, he's just not a candidate to play 30 minutes. It's mostly just because that position is, is, is so atrocious on a night-to-night basis. Another game where I think we're gonna—it's gonna be hard to play some of these guys—is the Clippers and Toronto. Clippers are gonna get Kawhi back, and I don't know about you, but I feel like sort of the same way with the Clippers. When Kawhi's back, the way these guys are priced, it just makes it like you're never—you're never getting the value because he, they, their prices come up a little bit when Kawhi sits because they all sort of outperform expectation. But then Kawhi comes back and he's very expensive, and all the other guys are not expensive. I mean, I guess they're going into Toronto here, but is that how you feel about the Clippers on a big slate? This is one that we've had. This has been a very interesting season with this with projections. Um, Clippers have been one of these teams where I think we've had like the most discussions about sort of like what to do with this team when it's fully healthy. Yeah, I think Kawhi and George both being there means you can't play any of the role players whatsoever. And honestly, you know, with both Kawhi and George, they're both pretty expensive now when the other one is playing too. <laughs> so I think on a night where we've already discussed liking the Lakers guys, liking Harden. You mentioned that Giannis is already in our top overall lineups. I just don't see any Clippers making the cut in a really tough defensive matchup here. Now, Toronto side's different, a different story. This game has a nice total, 219.5. Van Vliet is questionable, sat out last game. 
Lowry wasn't an overwhelming play on FanDuel, which I couldn't believe. Um, the same ownership as Kemba, which I just thought was weird. But anyway, uh, go Lowry, even with Van Vliet around, is sort of just like a candidate for 40 minutes. We've just seen this to yeah. be the case with uh, Toronto. I guess it's a little bit different. If, if Van Vliet sits, I think Lowry's almost like close to a lock for me, and I get this is a bad matchup against the Clippers. But what are your thoughts here? Let's say Van Vliet sits. People wanted to run Pascal the other night, too. You can almost project him around 40 minutes. OG played a ton of minutes. They will really concentrate their minutes around the starters almost as much as any team in basketball, maybe the most. Where do you, Not a good matchup against the Clippers, but I feel like at some point also there's just a great amount of safety around that kind of run. Yeah, I mean, frankly, the matchup could be worse also. The Clippers' top 10 in defensive efficiency this season, understanding that that's not a perfect metric for when they're fully healthy, you know, like yeah. if George and Kawhi are out there. It's obviously a different defensive unit than if one or both of them has been missing, which has happened plenty of times this year. But they do play a top seven pace. And I think the fact that they're going to be playing that fast pace means that you're still going to get plenty of opportunity for these Toronto guys to do stuff. So I think... You wouldn't run them out there in a vacuum necessarily, but if there were an increased in opportunity and all those Fred Van Vliet minutes to go around, um, then I think it starts to get pretty interesting. Because one of the things we've seen with these teams, it's like the inverse of some of the other, like the Clippers, for instance, is that Toronto really hasn't dealt with a lot of injury issues. So their guys are all pretty appropriately priced for this 40-minute-a-game run that they're all getting. But if one of those guys go oh, goes down, that just opens up so many minutes to be distributed. So I'll, I'll definitely be watching this one very closely leading up to lock. Yeah, um, yeah. That that this is probably the not the most important news that we're going to be looking for, but it's among the news that we're going to want to know. And just so we can just start concentrating the minutes around the starters. Yeah, we ought to too because it's that early game. So yeah, well, no. Uh, this has been this has been one of the boons of the new reporting process is that at least for these seven mm-hmm. o'clock games, things are known. It's made it. Uh, easier for sure, and still there's a edge because I think some people aren't fully capturing about how to sometimes synthesize information like this. And it's just nice when we have an extra half hour to play with sometimes because um, there is still a lot that goes into when guys sit. Um, but just having a little bit more time around it, uh, I think, is something we still continue to do about as good uh, as anyone in the industry. Charlotte goes in and plays Brooklyn. Charlotte on the back-to-back here coming off the win over the Wizards. Brooklyn's almost nine-and-a-half-point favorites here. Um, they beat the Charlotte, uh, I think, last week. Um, and guys like that, yeah, Dontre Jordan had a huge game. But this is a very, very good matchup uh, here for the Nets. I, I found that Dinwiddie's like close to a cash game play for me here um, just because it's just such a good matchup and he just continues to have high usage, though the production has not been as high as it had been at the beginning of the uh, Kyrie run uh, when Kyrie sat. Give me some of your thoughts here on Brooklyn. Yeah, I could see running some nets here. Uh, I think the prices are starting to normalize around the post-Kyrie minutes. And I think for that reason, they're starting to get a little bit expensive. You know, guys like Dinwiddie, uh, Torrey, and Prince. But I think they've all, like Prince especially, he's just been right in there paying value every single night. And Charlotte's a weird matchup. They've actually been very, very slow this season. I think mostly on account of having no good players to dribble the ball. Uh, So they can't get out in the break. They can't really do anything at all. But they've been a terrible defensive team. You know, bottom four defensive efficiency. So I think the Nets could just do plenty here i think it's definitely a a net positive matchup overall and if you think that the prices have sort of normalized but you're still getting something of a deal on guys like dinwiddie who dinwiddie who actually was more expensive just a few games ago uh then i think sure you can consider them here 
Yeah, um, I, I'm, I think I'm with you there. I, there's getting they're all sort of priced like a, maybe a little bit above where you want them to be. Those those wing guys like Harrison Prince, yeah. um, Jared Allen, his opportunity has been so rock solid lately for the most part. That um, and he can produce on a point per minute basis. But like I said, they did play DeAndre Jordan a lot in the last matchup against the Hornets. Um, it's funny about the Hornets. If you just could give Biombo, if you could be Bismack Nyabo 23 minutes here, um, he would actually be a play, I think, on FanDuel. It's just that you can't trust what their plan is with him and Zeller, and they're sometimes running P.J. Washington at the five. So, um, uh, so I think that's where I'm kind of landing on this team. Again, back-to-back, back, there's no real injury news here that we're waiting for. Ramon Shumpert out for the Nets. I don't That doesn't really do anything. So, um, again, back-to-back back, candidates for someone to sit. Mar- I guess if Marvin Williams and Nick Batum sat, you could give, be, feel a little more comfortable at guys like Miles Bridges, who was pretty popular last night. But all in all, uh, this is this is just not a perfect situation. And Charlotte um, is, is actually just a candidate to get dumpstered here just because uh, they, are, they are pretty heavy underdogs coming into Brooklyn. Well, being terrible and on the back-to-back and um, just having to go into Brooklyn. So uh, let's talk real quick about the Vivid Seats Lounge. If you're looking to buy or sell tickets these days, you're going to have to get in on the Vivid Seats app. That's, uh, you download the app. You use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. That's going to give you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase. And it's also going to roll you into the rewards program that gives you benefits the more you buy and sell on the app. You know, just give you discounts. And, and all the good stuff that comes along with being part of the rewards program. So go check out the Vivid Seats app. You, when you log in to go take a look at tickets, it's going to show you exactly what you're going to look at with the seats you buy. So you get that, that full panoramic view. It's a perfect app for buying and selling tickets. So Vivid Seats app, use the promo code overtime, and you're good to go. All right, 8 o'clock games here. Atlanta goes in and plays Chicago. Chicago, minus five, home favorite. What a world we're living in here. The Bulls um, are five-point The favorites. Bulls. Yeah, against anybody. This is a good matchup, 222 over under. Uh, Bulls are at a very good spot. Atlanta is coming on the back-to-back following the overtime loss to the Heat last night. What are your thoughts here on guys like Levine? Chris Dunn was a guy people wanted to play. We were close on Chris Dunn with cash. He was actually sort of chalky, which I couldn't believe. He got in a lot of foul trouble, though, um, that which really crushed his minutes. He's really not good anyway, but it was sort of a price thing, and just like there was not very many options that night. Yeah. But – you know, we did see more minutes out of Sadoransky there. You will see a kind of higher floor in minutes for Levine. Laurie Markinen finally sort of playing. I feel like the Bulls are in a good matchup here, and I'm just not exactly sure if I can do it in cash. Does that make sense? Like, I and this game, you know, if you just look at it on the outside, you think, okay, this is maybe a game we want to have exposure to. I'm just kind of struggling with it a little bit because mostly because it's the Bulls, I think. Yeah, I think I could get there on Levine. I think. Uh, right now he's currently listed as probable with a mid-back contusion and a right shoulder strain. So, you know, if there's actually injury things here, maybe you don't want to risk it. But uh, I, I could see running him out there. I do want to exercise some caution around these point guard guys, uh, both Sadoransky and Dunn. Their minutes are sort of inversely correlated, right? So Sadoransky gets the bump last game, but it's only because Dunn was in foul trouble. And I don't think that, you know, you can really rely too well on either. I mean, both now around 6000 not reliably paying anywhere near that price on what I believe to be their current opportunity. So I'd be pretty surprised to see them ultimately land in our cash game lineups. Uh, and then there's Laurie Markkinen. You, you sent out a one of the sadder Laurie Markkinen tweets uh, the other day just about trying to find Laurie Markkinen in the new team. And I just felt sad for you because like the, there was just this you know, kind of a dense sadness around your tweet. <laughs> you said. Well, you know, I mostly wondered, I was like, I just don't get it because like the guy's seven foot one, he can shoot threes. He just looks, when you watch him play, it looks fine. I just feel like he's just like, he's, 
anyone that shares the team with Zach Levine, like you're just not gonna. It's gonna be so hard to improve. I, I think that's mostly my. That's and, and look and the the coaching situation there is a disaster and just the organization is sort of a mess from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like Sadoransky might be their best guard. They can't get minutes. Like it's just so weird. Like they don't. It's just not built. Like in this current NBA, Sadar Laurie Markkinen, I feel like should be very good. <laughs> And he's just not, and I just, mm -hmm. and I could be wrong. Um, I could maybe it's just a me problem here, but I that's more that's what, that was mostly my lament about Laurie Markkinen was that a seven foot one guy that can shoot threes and like is pretty athletic should have really solid opportunities somewhere, and he just doesn't seem like he does. So I don't know. Is that a fair statement about Laurie Markkinen? I just doesn't. I I'm so confused by him. I feel like I just feel like he should be better. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you're exactly right. I get so frustrated with guys like this that. It, like it seems like when Laurie Markkinen winds up on, like where could he go? Like the Spurs or somebody like that, yeah. that he's just going to explode and all of a sudden be like a re reliable nine thousand dollar player. But yeah, unfortunately on the Bulls, he's limited to big tournaments only. Yeah. Um. So then, and then the Atlanta side, you have it's sort of just a Trey Younger bus team, um, especially on a big slate. They're getting healthier. Guys like Herder playing now. Alan Crabs back. Um, and it's just when the more of these wings that come back into the mix around Young, who is already the the, the Basically, just the DFS op or the excuse me, the fantasy opportunity is so concentrated around him to begin with that I just don't know what I can do with this team. Just I, you know, the more you give minutes, like 24 minutes to Kevin Herter and you know 20 minutes to Alan Crabb, and all of a sudden, it, everyone else just kind of suffers by just suffers by comparison. So I don't know. Is that a fair way to sum up the Atlanta team at this point? I just don't. I don't. I just don't see anything there except for Trey Young, and I don't think this is a. I don't think I want to pay peak prices on Trey Young in a matchup here, even though the Bulls represent a pretty good opportunity. Yeah, huge slate too. Um, you're not moved at all by Hunter getting out there for 40 minutes last night and paying 8x on this price. Nah, I mean, I mean, he was that that one that was an overtime. It was for, it was a 40 minutes total because it was 35 and it was probably 35 in regulation. Um, yeah, I'm not looking which at is that. standard for him. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just don't. I just don't see it. I like it's just not a. I guess that's interesting if you gave him 35 minutes. I, I just really would be – I'd be very hesitant to do that on a night-to-night -night basis with these Hawks team. Um, I just that, – that's mostly kind of where I land with them. Utah goes in and plays Minnesota. You know, Mike Conley goes down, and you think you're going to get so much great opportunity, DFS opportunity from these Jazz guys like Mitchell. And then, you know, people dreamt on Moutier to start, and he just didn't even play. And then they play Ingles at the point guard, and the teams look bad. Like, I don't know what to do here with the with the Jazz because, again, these are guys that I've wanted to play. This good matchup against Minnesota, and every night I look at Donovan Mitchell, and I think – Donovan Mitchell for cash here, and it just really hasn't been working out. At some point, do we think it's like a bad stretch? Do we think we're just getting a clear sense that that's just not going to happen without Conley? Um, what are your thoughts here on the Jazz? Yeah, I think more the second piece for me. I think the assists in particular are what I'm looking at because that those tend to be to normalize pretty quickly in the current situation, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes people miss shots or whatever, but the fact that he's in his last 67 minutes on the court, he's had six assists, leads me yeah. to believe that this is just who Mitchell is. Like, it doesn't really matter who else is on the court with him. He's not going to be, you know, like someone like Bradley Beal or Jimmy Butler, who when slotted into that role can get you 9 to 11 assists. That's just not in Mitchell's wheelhouse. So I'm not going to keep sitting around waiting for it to happen. Yeah, and then, I mean, with Ingles, you actually do get the assist. He's taken over some de facto point guard stuff. He has 10 and 9 assists over the last two games. Um, you know, Maybe you give him 35 minutes at 5,000, and then all of a sudden that's an interesting DraftKings play, I think. Yeah, um, I think he's interesting on FanDuel, too. 
Yeah, excuse me, I, I meant FanDuel. Uh, 5000 on FanDuel, so I think that becomes interesting. Like, you know, he and Daniel House are the same price, basically, on FanDuel. I think I'd rather play Ingles. I think the floor is a little higher, and you have to understand that he's just not going to get a lot of scoring here. Uh, what about the Minnesota side? This is a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries over the short term. Guys like Wiggins and Teague have sat, and they've just kind of configured their starting lineup around. Jazz are not a terrible – this is not your older cousin's jazz, right? This is uh, – this is they're – not that they're okay on defense. They play a little bit of a faster pace. Like this is a team I think you can sort of target. Um, you know, not fast pace, but for Utah, it's their 16th in pace. For them, that's you know that's them playing. You know, like they're they've taken speed. So compared to what they've done in the yeah, past. yeah, and still a tough team defensively. I think it's not a matchup you're going to want to target necessarily, but I think you still need a reason to play guys against them. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure we get there on the injury news. Uh, like I said, Wiggins has kind of been in and out of being having questionable tags. Same with Teague. I think if they're a team, to me, that if you get a definitive some guy is out, then that's where you can roll with Minnesota. Um, and Towns, I think at this point, is properly priced, and it's hard to run him into Gobert. So um, I just don't think you get the value. I guess if you get Teague out, then you start thinking and he's still coming off the bench too. So maybe it actually doesn't even matter as much as I think it does. Um, it probably maybe. does. I mean, T questionable right now. He's still playing 24 to 27 minutes. He has the ball in his hands a lot when he is out there. So I think that Teague uh, news is material. All right, let's move into Memphis goes in and takes on the Suns. This game, again, this game, as it should, has a really high total, 232. I believe that's the highest of the evening. Uh, now, Milwaukee a little bit higher, but that's coming in all in on the Milwaukee side. That makes sense because Memphis plays a fast pace and pays, does not play much defense. Now, I'm looking at our current lineups right now, and I'm not seeing a lot of Phoenix guys or really any Phoenix guys coming in here, even though this does represent, as of right now, it represents a nearly perfect matchup from DFS standpoint. Where are your thoughts here on guys like Rubio, guys like Devin Booker? It's hard. I think the big man situation with Aaron Baines back is something we can probably write off. So I'm, I'm specifically kind of talking about the guards when I mention um, maybe a game that we want to target. Well, yeah, you spoke to the Aaron Baines piece really creating a problematic situation among a position on the Suns. Like these bigs, we've played plenty of Kaminsky in our lives. Uh, we played some Dario Sarge too. So uh, the fact that we're losing those guys probably – is a little bit problematic for them. And then I think the wing guys and the guards, they're all just slightly north of appropriately priced, right? So Kelly Oubre, 7,200. That's, you know, he's scored 31 and a half fantasy points a game this season on just about the same usage all season long. So you can play, like we were playing him at like 6,600. I think the price has probably gone just a little too far. Uh, Devin Booker, sort of the same story, right? 8,700 on 38 and a half fantasy points a game. That's just not a good deal. And yes, he can do it. And he's a great big tournament option. There are nights where he's just feeling it and the team is feeding him uh, like he was against New Orleans where he went 44-8-9. Truly ridiculous. But I just don't think you can count on that on a night-to-night basis. And so I don't see any of these sons getting over that threshold uh, by the time lineup lock comes in. Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. Rubio's a guy like Rubio. If, if Fred Van Vliet is back, let's say, I know it's not one-to-one, but like, I'd rather play Rubio over Lowry, I think. And, and that's, but the problem is you just get five more minutes on Lowry. Like th- th- this is where the math gets really weird because per minute, I'd you'd much prefer Rubio here, I think. Right. But he's just not a candidate to get up to 39 minutes. Like Ru- like, like Lowry is, even though Rubio has basically been an assist, not 14, 13, 15, 13 assists over four of the last five games. And again, this is just a great matchup against Memphis. Like Memphis plays, let me just look real quick. Oh, I had a pace in front of me. Um, yeah, Memphis plays the sixth fastest pace in the league, and they're among the worst defensive teams in basketball. That's exactly where you want to be from a DFS perspective. So we are, our projections right now have the Suns basically in line with their Vegas total. We don't really model off Vegas, just use it as sort of a 
way to see if we're close and like, and we're not coming in low on any of these guys. And it still feels to me like we're coming in low. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is one that I'll probably have to kind of think on and, and talk about a little bit because I think ultimately I would, I wouldn't mind seeing a few more sons in my life right now. And that's just not really happening. So, uh, Grizzlies, John Morant's back. And I just don't think he can play anybody in this team. No one plays 30 minutes or more. Really. Uh, Brandon Clark's supposed to come back too. That just muddies the big man minutes even a little bit more. So Memphis, as they get healthier, not a team that I'm interested in targeting. Valanciunas is so expensive right now. <laughs> like, yeah, he. I mean, eighty five hundred because he had two good he, games. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I know, and his price. He's one of those guys. If he played thirty five minutes a game, then you'd be like, oh, I actually maybe could pay that price. But he just never. That's never going to happen yeah. for him at this point. New Orleans goes into Milwaukee to face the absolute buzzsaw that is the Bucks. Um, Jeez, they right? they they just are they just dumpster teams every single night. I Giannis is absolutely unstoppable. Uh, the rest of the team is built to be basically unstoppable around him. And they are 13-point home favorites against the Pelicans. With I said this was the highest total, 235. Um, again, it's coming in way more on the Milwaukee side. Let's talk about blowout risk with Giannis, and then I, I have a few Pelicans thoughts. But um, give me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, the blowout risk is real for me on this one. Um, if you combine these two teams' point differentials, so Milwaukee being a 13.3 positive point differential on the season and New Orleans being a negative 6.7 point differential, uh, that's a 20-point difference, just you know, kind of schedule-neutral point differential between the two of them. Uh, New Orleans on a 9-game losing streak, Milwaukee on a 15-game winning streak, so the differentiation there being 26 games. This is one of the most lopsided matchups you can conceive of in the current NBA, and whatever the total is, uh, I'm, I'm still pretty cautious here. That being said, Giannis just is the guy who creates bad matchups, right? Like, he is the guy that walks out there and does the damage and eviscerates teams. And so I still don't think he's unplayable, even though I would suspect we'll probably only get 27 to 30 minutes out of him. Uh, that being said, not knowing, like, I don't think he's unplayable, but you, there's plenty of track record of him not hitting this price if he plays 30 or fewer minutes. So I don't think he's a slam dunk. I think I would probably prefer Harden here just because I think, um, you know, Houston, it's just less likely to be involved in the blowout tonight. I was also looking at the teams. Like one way, this is just like a quick and dirty heuristic that I use sometimes to try and determine how Vegas has seen teams over the course of the season, right? So uh, in this Milwaukee game, Milwaukee 12-12 and against the spread this season, meaning Vegas has been pretty spot on uh, in terms of evaluating them. New Orleans, New Orleans has been 9-15 and 15 against the spread. So Vegas has been high on them all season, suggesting that perhaps the spread could be even farther. And then you go to the Houston-Cleveland game, um, and actually Cleveland has been worse against the spread this season too. So I, I think that basically it's only two points on paper, but I think that the way I would picture these game scripts moving, I, I think Houston less likely to be involved in a blowout. So I think I prefer the Harden side there. For our system's purposes, we have the uh, the – Bucks easily covering this 13, by the way. <laughs> like, we have them so far over their implied total, and I, that just maybe just does speak to what you were saying about, like, the teams being a little higher, on, or the Vegas being a little higher on New Orleans than they should be. And that's even being fairly conservative around Giannis's minutes because he makes he does make such a huge difference with that total. Even lowering him to, I don't know, lowering him to, like, 30 minutes, um, let's say, which I think is reasonable, just even in a blowout situation, uh, to, from a way to mean predict, uh, projection standpoint, um, it still has the Bucks easily covering here. So, uh, And then you get the Pelicans. Derek Favors is going to be coming back here. Um, I don't think you're getting any safety around that. You don't have any idea if between the J.J. Redick, Lonzo Ball, um, Josh Hart, Ken Rich Williams, like who's going to be playing on a night-to-night night basis. If you think they stay close, that means that Ingram and Holiday probably played a lot. 
So I guess from a GPP standpoint, you can go there. Uh, but otherwise, this is just there's so much blowout risk in this game. I don't think it's very difficult to consider on such a huge uh, slate to really touching it in cash. Two more games to go, both 10 o'clock hour. OKC goes in and plays Sacramento. Um, oh, there's, I don't see a total on this game right now, but Sacramento is two point favorites. They are getting Marvin Bagley back, um, after an extended absence. I'm not sure what, even like 15 minutes on a guy like Bagley, what that does for, it's a thumb injury. So, um, I got to take a look real quick about the conditioning note. Usually with hand injuries, guys can come back right in and play kind of peak minutes because they've been able to, it's not like a leg injury where you need to ramp up your conditioning. Typically with hand injuries, like we saw with like Gordon Hayward, is that you come back and you just can play full minutes. I'll double check the note on that. What would that do to, let's say he was even like 24, 25 minutes. What would that do to your projection on some of these other Kings now that we're getting, one, a pretty viable fantasy guy back into the mix, and two, a team that without uh, Darren Fox has been sort of re-properly priced around their opportunity? Yeah, I think that would kill most of these Kings, right? I mean, I don't think, I think immediately you couldn't play Holmes and Bialica, uh, both of whom, Bijalika, is there a different way to pronounce that guy's name? Bijalisa, Bijalisa, that's how I said it. I think it's, I think that's a, yeah, a Y sound on the J there, but uh, nonetheless, I think you could immediately take both of those two uh, out of consideration and, you know, basically kill all the big minutes there. I don't know that Bagley necessarily hurts the rest of these guys very much, but to your point, they're already sort of appropriately priced around their current opportunity, so you're not exactly doing it. Uh, our system is always going to love Harrison Barnes, <laughs> 6,000, doesn't matter what team he's on, what who the opponent is. Uh, if he's less than 6,000, our system is just going to always be tempted, man, just back in that bar at 3 a.m., looking across the aisle and just wondering, eh, why not? Let's just do this one more time, you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, probably to our detriment, unfortunately, but... If you look at the averages, the thing with Barnes is he seems to average paying off this price. So it won't necessarily be the case when we play him, but uh, still, I guess, a high floor guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on the Harrison Barnes thing. It's been death taxes in Harrison Barnes of 5,500. I, I just don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, some of these guys, it's the system. I, I get it. It makes sense. It's because we have long track records on what the production is going to be, basically. And if you give him regular minutes, he's going to be right around value. And it's typically just not where you want to be in cash. And we usually adjust his projection accordingly going into a matchup. OKC randomly had a Danilo Gallinari start. Uh, it's going to be a sit last game with an ankle sprain. But then he's fine to play this game. So who the hell knows? They get, we got Dennis Schrader at a pretty nice discount at low ownership last game. But I don't think you can really go back there. And Gallo's 32 is to 33 minutes. Um, redistributed makes OKC look pretty good. But him coming back into the fold means I think we can probably take a lot of these guys. They've been they've been a very consistent team with their minutes uh, in general this season. And that usually leads to efficient pricing on a final game. Knicks go in and play the Warriors. Not going to want to watch it. But this might be an interesting DFS stand from DFS standpoint. Knicks have the they got they got killed by the Blazers last night. So they're coming off the back to back with the blowout. They feel like they want to play consistent minutes around the the at least the bigs like Randall Morris and Barrett I'm adding Barrett as like a like a long wing more than a big and then Golden State's just a good matchup still and and Draymond's coming back D'Angelo Russell back in the mix what are your thoughts on this game this one's a weird one for me it's I I kind of hate that it's starting super late even though there's not a ton of injury news here I don't know well give me your thoughts on Knicks and the Warriors yeah so I mean we talked about this a little bit going into the Knicks last game where we were really curious to see where the minutes were going to wind up on these guys. Uh, the Portland game was hopefully not a great proxy for what we'll see going forward uh, with Barrett playing 18 minutes, 
uh, doing absolutely nothing. But I still think there's enough uncertainty here that it's pre- it's going to be pretty problematic to just trot them right out for cash games. I mean, we can learn a little bit, uh, basically based on what happened uh, in the first half for the Knicks there. But it's just it's a tough one, man. I mean, I get that they're only four and a half point dogs here, but um, with nine total wins between these two teams so far this season. I just feel like anything could happen, right? I mean, I just don't <laughs> I don't know exactly uh, what I'm supposed to do with these guys. So uh, given that this is a super late starting game, that we have so many options, this might be a game I, like a guilty pleasure game I save for just playing those late slates here. Uh, that's a good call. It's a, probably a good way to think about it. I think Draymond at 5,800, um, if you think he's like 32 minutes or so, is interesting on DraftKings, um, not on FanDuel. He does like... Weirdly, he's point guard. He was one of those like point guard, small forward eligible guys. He did play 33 minutes last game. I think he gives you a high enough floor if you think that the 30 plus minutes are going to be there. D'Angelo Russell, um, interesting from an upside perspective if you think he gets to like 34 minutes or something like sure. that. And then also the other piece about that is Eric Pascal is questionable. If it, him sitting actually would be interesting. The guy does take a decent amount of shots, um, and I think you could probably redistribute some of that usage to those two guys and. Um, It'd be just enough, I think, to make them sort of cash game interesting without. But you're um, at 7,900 on Russell. Like, I don't think you can do it. It's also the Knicks are just so bad on defense too. So like that, you're also you're getting a nice matchup here. We're getting it both and ways. That's that's the weird thing about this game is that both teams are good matchups for the opposing team. This is one of those games that, you know, both of these teams are, are very accustomed to being blown out too. And so right. if you can get away from the blowout for both teams, you really could see you know, mid-30s minutes out of a lot of these starters. And you could see some huge performances. And I think for big tournament purposes, this probably ought to be one of the most highly targeted games on the slate, right? Between Barrett, uh, Julius Randle, I could see going off here, Marcus Morris. I think both teams have plays that could be pretty interesting here. But for cash games, like, you're going to be pretty bummed out if you get uh, 24 minutes and 11 fantasy points out of Marcus Morris, right? And that's that. I believe me, as a person that was bummed at 24 minutes and that many (laughs) fantasy points last night about Marcus Morris, it's fresh in my mind about how disappointed I was. So I don't want to be that disappointed again. So um, I I, I actually don't think that's going to be the case. I think. 33 minutes is going to be fine for him tonight, and that's probably on a big slate. He's so scoring dependent too that you just don't probably end up want to be there. Hey, real quick, I'll do a quick, quick point guard question. We're going to get out of here as we finish. We blew through these games here, but all 8,000 on FanDuel: Rubio, Lowry, Dinwiddie tonight. Mm, Dinwiddie, um, Dinwiddie, without even questioning. I'm going to say Rubio, <laughs> and then um, someone else could say Lowry. I, this one's an I like Lowry just, too. Oh. Rubio's the last one for me. I think. Um, interesting yeah I, I think so yeah. i think rubio's solid he's just getting so many so many assists recently i do think the assists are a little bit above expectation too like 14 13 and 15 assists in his last three games the season average is below 10 so i get that it's happened recently but i think there might be a little bit of sample size bias there. the reason i'm throwing out there is i do think that's going to be a very specific question people have those are three good plays that yeah. are all the exact same i don't hate any Sorry. of them by the way it's, it's close between all of them Sounds like you hate Rubio's guts with a fiery passion. <laughs> DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started on our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA, NFL. It's all covered under one subscription package, so go check it out. Big Wednesday and basketball. Enjoy it, everyone. Talk to you guys later in the week.